You're listening to Hammer and Anvil, your one-stop podcast for all things hobby. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Hammer and Anvil. In this episode, we've got a wicked guest for us. Um, We're going to be talking skirmish games, absolutely everything. Um, made special um, and, and we've got probably the perfect person uh, to be going through this as a, as a veteran hobbyist, someone that's come also back into the hobby. Um, welcome to Guy. How's it going, man? Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. Yourself? Yeah, really good. Really good. Uh, and obviously joining us as well is Steve. Hello, mate. How's hello, it going? Guys. You what? Sorry? I said, uh, hello, Guy. <laughs> you right, Steve? <laughs> Yes, mate. So, yeah, so we're going to be talking uh, skirmish, lads, if that's all right with you guys. Stand by, mate. Absolutely. Um, But before we go into that, um, what is on everybody's hobby desk this week? We'll start with Guy. So, at the moment, I am painting my Forge World Psy Titan, which... um, yeah, I'm enjoying. It's a gorgeous model, but oh my lord, there's a lot of trim on it. So much trim. It is driving me up the wall. I think it'll look good when it's done, but I am going to have to go over a lot of it. There's a lot of little smudges and swearing as I've gone round it. <laughs> if you're not swearing at your models when you're painting them, you ain't doing it right. <laughs> Absolutely. I I just I hate watching the tutorial videos when you see the likes of Duncan and you go, how have you kept your hand that steady? I've got three smudges by the time I'm at the bottom of that bit of plate, you swine. Don't know how the man does it. <laughs> do, you, do you wonder, because he's doing it on a video, he can edit out all the swearing and edit out all the mistakes? <laughs> I reckon he's superhuman. Just doesn't slip. <laughs> Just that's it. So steady. Yeah. There's, there's some sort of trade-off with um, you know the devil in order to get that. That's it. I'll take that. All day long. <laughs> Sell my soul as long as I can play bass guitar really well and paint my minis really well. Fair play. Uh, so, Steve, what's on your table? Uh, actually, in my hand at this present moment, I'm just basing a demon prince. Nice. Is that for your slaves? It certainly is. It certainly is. And there's also um, a, squad, a unit of Arangard. I'm like guy trying to put the trim on. And it's it's driving me at the wall. All doing trim, all doing trim. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's 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 uh, testing my patience, but it'll get there. <laughs> yes, it will. I'm sure it'll look amazing. Um, but what what have I done this week? Uh, school Reapers. Uh, I've just started a squad of them. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, they're 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 based. I just need to get some colour on them. And hopefully get them ready for our next game. Yeah, man. Awesome. Okay, so let's jump straight into our topic. Um, So, Guy, give us a bit about yourself. What was your introduction to the hobby um, way back when? Way back when? Oh, so I started with second edition 40K. So the old um, classic box with the Blood Angels captain on the front of it. Yeah, uh, and the uh, cardboard dreadnought in it. You know, back in the day, we didn't get a full set of models with it. <laughs> uh, and I sort of drifted around 40k and fantasy for a bit, but my sort of real uh, first proper engagement that I really liked in the hobby was Blood Bowl and um, Epic. So, for those that don't know, Blood Bowl is Games Workshop's fantasy football game. And Epic is effectively massive scale 40k. Um, like you can do battles like the pictures on the front of the books. You know, you can bring a squad of Thunderhawks and not have someone look at you like A, you're loaded, and B, you're a terrible human being because you're just going to wipe me <laughs> off the table. Uh, I, I, yeah, that's that's been my passion to the to the hobby. I stopped playing. Uh, for a long time actually when I was in uni um, took a big long break and came back when they re-released Space Hulk which is a fine fine two player game but then what really got me 
back in and playing a bit more uh, and how I met a load of guys through the club was when they re-released a uh, version of Blood Bowl in 2016. So I met Carl and Rich, who's now down in Wales, through the Facebook group there. Uh, Rich was came round my house, played a game of Blood Bowl, uh, and we started a little mini league together. And, you know, the rest is history as you, you guys went through setting up the club. Yeah, yeah. Um... Wow, that's you've got some history with the with the game. Oh yeah, well I mean back in the day, I used to play the odd blood bowl tournament, and it's still got a great tournament scene. But with two small kids, it's not really fair at the minute to turn around to the boss and go, "I want to take the weekend off to drink mm. and play board games." It's a hard sell. You know? <laughs> it is. Just get get the little ones into blood bowl and, and take them with you. Um, maybe not the drink. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that may happen without my influence, Lofty. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're having to look after Dad. Yeah. Oh, finish that um, off so... and roll him home. Yeah, that's it. Um, so, with them, um, okay, we'll, we'll focus on the Blood Bowl because um, I know uh, I picked up the Blood Bowl kit uh, back in 2016. Um, I'd always known about it, but then with the re release of it, I got really, really into it. Um, but I know there was a period of time where it wasn't supported necessarily by Games Workshop. Yeah, it's, it's quite an interesting kind of story that, and it's the story of sort of specialist games more generally. And I think it does explain some of the community reaction there's been to the announcement of a second season, as they've called it, and a refresh of some of the rules. So there was a series of specialist games, Blood Bowl, Epic, uh, Aeronautica, I think, potentially dread uh, not dread fleet what was it they called it the old warhammer ship one anyway uh all running for a while and then sort of 2006 2007 gw announced they were stopping support of them to focus on the core games uh the interesting thing with blood bowl compared to the other ones is what they did was they took uh the naf which is a group of hobbyists who run blood bowl tournaments and I can't remember the precise details of it, but effectively licensed the rules to them. So there's a thing you can go out and find called Living Rulebook 6, which was sort of curated by the community for a kind of 15-odd year period. They had a proper rules review board and all the rest of it. So it's a community which has got a real feeling of ownership over the IP in a way that I don't think a lot of others necessarily do because they kind of feel well we, we kept this going for 13 years and there's been a lot of third party support and teams and pitches and and all the rest of it and you know even in the time it, it wasn't getting support you'd still be getting tournaments with good numbers of people going so it's uh, it's got an interesting history as a game and so you think that that's sort of why why it's kept going as strong as it has yeah, I think it's why it's one of the first ones they decided to bring back. Because you could sit there and go, well, actually, we've got this. You had the um, video game, which did so well um, with, oh, I can't remember who makes it, Cyanide. Uh, so they knew there was a ready market for it. Uh, they knew people were playing it. They knew there was a tabletop community. I think they went, well, I mean, this seems a complete easy win for us people will buy it in numbers. You know, you've got 100 people turning up to a tournament. That probably means there's five, six times that many playing it down their local club. Yeah. Um, so I think they just saw it as, as a real opportunity. And it has done, I think like Titanicus as well, has just done miles better even than they expected it to do. Like it's really taken off with the support that, that Games Workshop has given it now. And deservedly so. It's a great game. It's it's brilliant to see uh, to see the fan base you've got in your your forty k and it, we've always got quite a strong community a very loyal community to their chosen games but even more so like you're saying with specialist games it's like take that hobby passion and times it by ten and you've got your specialist turn out yeah it does come with the odd downside I mean there's a fair number of sort of grognards in the um... Blood Bowl community, you know, the whole kind of 
Oh, well, actually, the best edition was second edition because real off-ex, re- many reasons. And what you tend to find when you actually have a five-minute conversation with somebody saying that it's the best edition is the first one that I bought <laughs> when I was 12. <laughs> and I haven't bought anything since. Yeah, there is a bit of that. I mean, there is a weird sort of subsection of the, particularly the Blood Bowl community, that are very much, well, I'm never ever buying anything off Games Workshop ever again. They tried to kill us. I'll buy third-party miniatures, all the rest of it. And I mean, I do kind of get that, but it just feels like being a twat to me. Uh, it's fighting something you don't need to fight. Yeah. Uh, well, and the reality is, I don't see as there's any reason not to want the support. You know, the models they make these days are amazing. The rules are generally good. They they bring you that backing and advertising and power. Just having it on their website is a huge, huge thing for a game. You know, they are the biggest miniatures wargaming company by an enormous margin. I think, you know, you want all the support you can get, really. Well, yeah, you want to be bringing more players in. Um, and the only way you're getting that is, like you said, with the advertising. Well, and with the updates, you know, the kind of things that, that tick on people's mind. You know, a big new box set, the stuff that comes out in Warhammer community, the reaction in the wider miniature community, even the sort of, you know, the likes of Bella Lost Souls and so on will run articles on it. It just generates that buzz. Yeah. Um, and, you know, games live and die on having a constant influx of new players and people spending money on it. And that just is what it is. Like, you can't sort of sit there and go, well, I spent, you know, what did I buy Blood Bowl for originally? 40 quid on it back in 1990, whatever it was. And, you know, now I expect it to be supported and licensed for life. That, that's just not how businesses work. <laughs> and I'm not going to put any money into it, but it should still say the same. Yeah. <laughs> it should never change. I wish my gaming to be preserved completely in aspic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and my most powerful unit is always going to be the most powerful unit. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of what... Because there's been a fairly salty reaction to the announcement of the new edition. Like, people have got a bit grumpy about it. And I think it's because Blood Bowl's had... I mean, basically a settled rule set for 20 years, give or take. There's not really been anything done to it because the the living rule book didn't change stuff very much, as I understand it, from where it was when it was last GW supported. And, and the rule set before they dropped it was reasonably old. So it's kind of, it's quite well known what all the best builds are for each team at, you know, X number of gold pieces and what your development kind of should look like. And I do think in, in some ways that makes the game a bit stale. It's good to have it shaken up a bit. Yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, what what uh, faction or what team do you play? Have you always played the same or? Oh, no. I mean, that's one of the nice things about Blood Bowl. It's not a huge investment to go, oh, I just want to give another faction a try. So, yeah. Like, you know, you can buy a team box for 25, 30 quid. Uh, so I started out playing Orcs back in the dim and distant. Uh, and these days I mostly play agility teams. So elves of one variety or another. Uh, in the league at the minute, I'm playing pro elves, which I'm really enjoying. Uh, you know, fast dodging, passing team, best catchers in the game. They're a giggle, but also they are... I mean, made of uh, tissue paper. Like, <laughs> uh, I had a great game with Terry not long before lockdown. Um, it was one of our sort of last league games um, before, but hopefully we'll start up again soon. But I ended the final drive with five players and managed to score to make it a two-old draw, which felt amazing. But you have to be able to play <laughs> with four or five players on the pitch. Because occasionally you're just going to have this game where someone starts their drive and you go, oh, wait, it's the first turn and I've got three people in the casualty box. What <laughs> what, what just happened? Yeah. And you have to think on your feet. I mean, I've played it a couple of times. Um, and I must admit, I got... I, I started playing far too many games all in a small space of time. Um, and unfortunately, Blood Bowl sort of got knocked out a little bit. Mm. Um, which I hope to rectify soon with this new season 
uh, coming out. So I'm very, very excited about the new season. Uh, well, and they're making a lot of really interesting changes with the new season. So without getting into too much of the detail, Blood Bowl traditionally has had, uh, what, five key stats, movement, agility, strength, armour. No, four, actually. And they've decided to split agility into your ability to dodge and your ability to pass. So, you know, it gives you two separate roles. I think the reason for that has been, for a lot of teams, like Wood Elves particularly, people just don't take the thrower. So that model never sees the pitch. And it's a crying shame because they've got some glorious models for the throwers. I've um, got one of the Forge World star players for it. Uh, what's her name? Glorial Summerbloom, which is a beautiful, beautiful model. Really dynamic, lovely pose, gorgeous. Bit of a sod to paint because it's got lots of fiddly bits of leaves in the hair and all sorts. But a, a really lovely model. And, you know, it, it never sees any time on the tabletop because everybody else in the team can pass just as well. And you can get a lineman for, six, oh, what is it, 20,000, 30,000 gold pieces less, which lets you fit another re-roll in and, and all the rest of it. And you sort of go, well, that, that's a real shame. Um, and they've looked to change at the kind of higher team values, try and avoid seeing the kind of same old teams, um, you know, where you just face, say, a dwarf team where everybody's got guard, everybody's got might blow, and it's a bit dull. It's nice to see them changing stuff up with the initial thoughts on it. And, and bringing more models in, uh, and obviously ones that are unused, like you said, it, it, it will change things up. And there'll be more options for Games Workshop to release more miniatures um, mm. for that range, rather than just like picking the one guy. Oh, we don't need to update that model. No, we need to update that model because people like it more. Yeah. Uh, stuff like that. No, absolutely. And I think they've done some really interesting things with some of the new teams they've brought in um, in terms of the order they've released the models. So Blood Bowl has a kind of conscious tiering of teams in it, which effectively means you've got teams that are really top draw, teams that are fairly average, and ones that you're just playing for a giggle. Uh, and Snotlings, the ones that you could pre-order this weekend, are very much in that uh, ballpark. But they should be an absolute blast on the pitch. So there's a potential of starting your drive with two Strength 5 Trolls, two Strength 5 Pump Wagons, two Bombardiers, and potentially a couple of star players as well. Now, they're never going to win anything because your average Snotling is absolute garbage. It's <laughs> going to be complete craziness like just madness bombs going off everywhere players getting sent off just bonkers so you know you can have an absolute giggle with that i think there is something for everyone in it as a game yeah you've got your super competitive builds or you've got your you know your random ones um, so i know that myself i've just said that i'm looking to get into it and i know steve uh, you were talking about wanting to get into it yeah i was yeah um so, from your experience, what would be the best way to get into it, Guy? Um, do you think you just buy on aesthetics? Or do you think people need to sort of, like, think exactly what they want before before purchasing? I mean, I am always a fan of buying on aesthetics myself. Uh, and it, with Blood Bowl, you do at least have a, a sort of cheap turnaround. If you buy something and you play it, you go, oh, it's horrible. That said, I think it's worth having a couple of um, tryout games at your local club. Because people will let you have a go. They'll let you have a play with their miniatures as a general rule. You know, I'm happy to do introductory games with people. I did one with um, Dean the other day. And to kind of go through the kind of play styles you get in Blood Bowl. So there's broadly, uh, what? Bash teams, dash teams, passing teams, hybrid teams, and just bonkers teams, which is the kind of the goblins, the snotlings, the ogres. Wouldn't recommend any of those to a newbie because you will just get the snot kicked out of you pretty much every game. <laughs> they are great fun if you just want to cause chaos, but you're not going to win very much. Uh, I think it's one to take on when you played a couple of other things. Uh, sorry, of other teams. 
so that said, then you you want to have a sort of look if you can at how the different teams play. So bashing teams are generally all about a kind of to use a rugby analogy, a kind of rolling ruck style team. Or like, um, if you follow American football, I think it was the Seattle Seahawks Legion of Boom, kind of running game, short ground game. Uh, You're looking to knock the other team's players off the pitch uh, and, you know, generally go for what's referred to as the 2-1 grind in Blood Bowl. So what you want to do, the turn when you receive, uh, sorry, the half when you receive, you want to score on turn seven or turn eight so that whoever you're playing doesn't have a chance to score back. And uh, when you're defending, you want to let your opponent almost score quite quickly and then try and get the ball back and stomp down the field. You've then got your uh, passing agility-type teams, which are all about your ability to move the ball around the park your ability to dodge away from players, you're not actually necessarily going to be making all that many blocks. So my pro-elf team that I'm playing at the minute, I mean, quite often, if I make one or two blocks in a turn, that'll be as many as I do. Whereas with an orc team or the like, you want to be maximising your blocking as a general rule because you get the advantage of taking the other team's players off the park and then having a a numerical advantage, but the elves are much more about getting a hold of the ball, how you move it around. You do as well want to stall to an extent, but it's a different kind of stalling. It's trying to keep at a distance, uh, have control of the pitch, rather than necessarily be worrying too much about what you're doing with the opponent's players. Uh, Dash teams are a sort of interesting mix, really. Lizardmen are probably your best example, where you've got <laughs> lots of good movement. So you've got your Sauruses, who are movement six, which is pretty much the fastest strength four player uh, you can get in the game. And your Skinks that are, what, movement eight and movement seven. So effectively with them, you want to get your Skink close enough that it can dart out at the right time and come in and score for you. And it's very much about managing how you protect those smaller, more agile players and use your strength advantage uh, against the other side. Um, And then hybrid teams like humans give you a kind of mix of the other play styles. So they can do a bit of everything. They can do a bit of blocking. They can do a bit of passing. But they're not, you know, particularly great at, at anything. So unlike elves, which will basically be doing every role on a two plus they'll be doing it on a on a three plus and maybe without skill support so it's that little bit more difficult to move the ball around but conversely they've got more options to block they've got more skills there um and that is a very (laughs) worthy way of of talking through it but i would very much encourage people you know get down your local club uh, go and find who's playing blood bowl near you and you know Come and give it a go. Watch a couple of games, all that kind of stuff. You know, all the things you, things you do really for any game. Yeah, and I think that like, you've touched on something really quite good there. I mean, because uh, you've got like Blood Bowl's playing on a smaller area, so most clubs uh, do support it and are, and can support it quite well. So it is quite easy. And being a shorter game, you can spend an hour and a half just watching, and you don't get mm. the sort of arm. Oh, I'm sat here for three hours. Uh, kind of kind of thing and obviously so starter sets now I bought the 2016 starter set I started with my Orcs um, and I did like them I really liked them but I thought I felt they were lacking in something uh, so I'm going to look into something else um, to restart um, so so if if someone's got the starter set do you, would you say that was great value for money or do you think they should probably go into a, into a smaller set? Uh, it slightly depends what you want to do. I think the 2016 starter set wasn't great in retrospect for a couple of reasons. First one was it didn't give you a complete set of the rules. So you didn't have the league rules in it. You had to buy the separate death zone books to get those. And 
the problem is where Blood Bowl really comes alive as a game is in league play or in tournament play uh, because you can start uh, levelling up your players. And at that point, it, it does have a slightly sort of D&D type role play kind of element to it. You know, you get an attachment to your team as they level up and get better skills. And, you know, it's actually quite a gutting when someone gets a bad injury and you go, oh, he's had it or he's dead and I, I need to bring in a new player. Uh, particularly my, like, so I'm, I'm going to have a moan now, my pro-elf catcher, he's got, uh, what's he got? He's acquired dodge and strip ball, uh, and then he got a, a niggling injury, so he's down to armor value six. Uh, not a niggling injury, oh, I can't remember, a smashed collarbone or something, I can't remember what it is on the injury table. And you go, oh, Ashley's just too vulnerable now, I'm going to have to fire him. And that's, <laughs> that's really frustrating. But, it, yes, it's in the nature of the game. But I think that didn't help with the 2016 box set. The other thing I think that didn't really help is Orcs as a team, to really work best, you want to have the four Black Orcs, four Blitzers build. And the build you got in the box was two Blitzers and two Black Orcs, if memory serves. Yeah, that's what it was. I liked yeah. the Black Orcs, but they were really slow. Yeah. I, I, you know, they're, they're going to be because they've got the strength for that's their kind of weakness. But what Orcs are good at is bashing, grinding play. But that only really works if you give someone who's new the right players to be able to do it. And yeah. that box set left you four positional players short of the kind of best team. And what you found people doing is getting trolls and getting goblins which are great fun and give you a one turn threat but they don't do um what your team really needs to do consistently for you uh and i think that was a a bit of a shame i think it gave some people a bad experience the human side of that box set was better but again suffered from the same problem in that you didn't quite have a complete team you really want four blitzers in that human side to give you the extra block, to give you the ability to go on and do other things. The new box set looks a lot better. It looks like, yeah. I mean, I'm not a fan of how much it's been leaked because you can, if you want to, go on and Reddit, uh, onto Reddit now and get basically the whole of the rules as to what it's going to be. And I've resisted the temptation to do it because it'll just spoil opening the box set for me. And I actually feel quite bad for GW on that, because there's a lot of people who have worked their socks off to put that together. And it looks like it's beautifully put together bit of kit, and they should have the, the right and the opportunity to introduce it to the community in the way they want. And, in their own time. Um, yeah. it's, you, you do want to reveal it. And it, you know what? To me, like, whoever's got, that book as someone who's either a play tester or has been given it for an early review copy there are a lot of people in the community who would happily hand over their right bollocks for a chance to get that test book and i think you've really abused the trust there by um by just putting it out there uh i thought that was really poor form by someone you know they've put a lot of trust in you it is their ip there's a lot of risk in doing that, and they're looking to get your opinion. So to to kind of spit on that is poor form for my money, anyway. Yeah, I fully agree. Absolutely, um, fully agree. It's with everything. I think we um, we saw it a lot with uh, 40k. You can get the rules too early, and there's a, there's a suspense thing. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to relearning Blood Bowl, um, and I think this is part of the reason I've I've gone. Oh, let's give Blood Bowl another go because it's a fresh set of rules. Everyone's going to be learning at the same speed. And I'm enjoying waiting for that. Well, and I quite like the sound of some of the changes. I mean, being on some of the Facebook pages, you just can't avoid some of the leagues. But, you know, some of it sounds really good. They've changed around some of the skills in a way that I think looks really interesting. There's been some controversy around what they've done with the new passing stat and how it affects elf teams. I want to have a look at that in the wild before I start getting too excited and jumping up and down about it. You know, there's been a lot of uh, kind of the sky is falling down type chat. 
you know, it's the end of the world. Uh, <laughs> elf teams are no longer going to be viable. Yeah, all the standard stuff that hobbyists do when something is leaked and people start to wet the bed. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it will change the dynamic. I don't think it, it kills the team. Um, but I want to have a look at it, it properly when it comes out. Um, so that said, and kind of going back to your original question, I think it's a much better starter box set it looks like it comes with the full rules. So it looks like you've got all the league rules that you need. It looks like you've got all of the skills that you need. You've got all of the teams in there that have been released. I don't think they're going to put in any of the stuff they might be doing in the future because that's another one of the community's grumbles is, oh, where have vampires gone? Where have high elves gone? Where have whatever gone? Goes, I mean, come on, people. We all know how this business model works. They're going to give you the rules for all the models you've already got. Should you like to buy the new ones, there will be a Spike magazine coming along that you can buy for a very reasonable price. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I think what they've done with that isn't unreasonable. I don't have a, I have a problem with that. Uh, you get a pitch in there. You get all the dice and bits and gubbins that you need. And it looks like the teams that they've put in there are really good, complete teams. So the human team, which is a new team, seems to come with all of its positionals. You get a big guy in there in the form of an ogre for the humans and a troll for the orc team. You've got a star player each. So the humans are getting Griff and the orcs are getting Varagulture. Both teams look like full teams. So I think if you, want, if you think you weren't, might want to play either one of those teams, it's a great box to get. It'll give you absolutely everything that you need. It's interesting that they've put star, t- star players in with the box. They haven't done that all the time historically. And actually, a lot of the time, star players don't get much of an outing in actual Blood Bowl. So I'm assuming they've tweaked the rules in some way that means actually you're more likely to see them on the pitch. And frankly, the models that are in it look gorgeous. I love the Black Orcs. Again, going back onto Orcs, <laughs> I think if you go play sort of Blood Bowl, for me, I'll move away from Orcs, and then they brought them out, and I'm liking the look of them. It looks a really solid team to me. From what I understand of the rules so far, I think they'll play a bit like Lizardmen. So you're going to have six strength four players, and they've got this new skill coming called Brawler that I don't quite know how it works because I've, I've tried to avoid the leaks as much as I can but I think is in some way improves their ability to block you've then got a load of stunty quick gobbos which are effectively a skin catalog and you can have a troll as well so you've suddenly got a team that's got lots of solid blocking uh, a good one turn touchdown threat with a thrown goblin and the agility and ability to move that comes with stunting players with dodge it, it looks a solid side that and i think it gives you everything in one box that you need for that team to be good you hit the ground running yeah uh, and go for it like that that's awesome i, I love how, how knowledgeable you are on this um I, yeah i don't get out frequently enough lofty that's the problem you, you stay in if i can get all my blood bowl knowledge out of you um, <laughs> you stay in uh, i'll buy a takeaway the other thing I would say, actually, if people are looking to get into it, there are a couple of really good websites. So there's the Blood Bowl Tactics website, which, I mean, it'll need a bit of an update with the new edition, but I think the broad principles will stay the same. Uh, there are some really good YouTube channels. There's a guy called The Sage who does some really good YouTube tutorial type stuff. There are a lot of resources out there that you can go and have a look at and get an understanding of how it fits together and how it all works. Um there's Fumble as well, which is a, an online, it's an HTML version of the game, basically. Uh, I've never understood how it works with Games Workshop's licensing, but they haven't sued them, so presumably they're all right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can go and have a bit of a taster of it on that. I don't know how that will interact with the new version of the rules coming out. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff you can go and have a look at. You can often get the Blood Bowl 2 game for, you know, a fiver, 10 quid at the minute. Oh, is that the one on the console, PlayStation? Yeah, it's on well, It's on the PC. You can get it on the PlayStation. I think it's on Xbox as well. But this is definitely Steve's territory. Uh, yeah. And it's not perfect. The, the rules aren't exactly like on the table at the top, but they're close enough. 
and they're bringing out Blood Bowl 3. I think they're due to bring it out later this year. And that, they've said, is going to exactly match the tabletop rules. Um, so, again, that's a good opportunity to learn. I think it's a nice thing to see, because I remember when Games Workshop wouldn't engage with computer games manufacturers at all. You know, they thought they were the absolute devil and were going to kill tabletop gaming stone cold dead. And I think they've realised now that you can make money off selling the IP to Xbox, PlayStation, whatever, and a percentage of those players will go and find the board game and go and play it at their, at their local club and it kind of cross-fertilises. Because, frankly, I will be buying the computer game. I will be buying at least the rules, quite possibly the new box set. You know, I'm going to drop a slightly terrifying amount of money on Blood Bowl this year. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's worked on, on that double double level. So because you're interested in one, you're interested in the other. And I think that works for the hobby in general. And, yeah, the Games Workshop embracing the different mediums they can get their IP out to is really working for them. Yeah. I, I just think they, they finally matured a bit uh, as a company around it. They traditionally saw it as a threat. Uh, and I think actually it was a real opportunity for them. And for a while, an opportunity that they missed out on. I mean, it's been a real shame for me that the Total War games came out after I had kids. Because, I mean, 18-year-old <laughs> me would have killed to have those. But I barely get the chance to play them these days. Yeah. Um, it's a shame because they're brilliant. They're great fun. <laughs> but I think, Steve, you mentioned the Total War games, didn't you? Still there, Steve? I think we've lost him. Oof. Uh, <laughs> um, well, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure I didn't make that up. Um, but yeah, so um, that's brilliant. Uh, wealth of knowledge. Um, so you think in the starter set is definitely for for getting this time. Um, if you're into orcs or humans, I think if you're into orcs or humans, yeah. Um, if you're not, it looks like they're going to bring out the rule book as a separate purchase. Um, it's easy enough to get a pitch and there's plenty of good teams out there. You know, I would say of the boxes they've released, probably the best ones are the Lizardman box gives you a solid team. You'll want a Croxiger at some point, but it's a solid out-the-box side to start off in a league. Dwarf box is good. Skaven box isn't great. You could do with another two gutter runners in it. That team really only works when you've got four gutter runners on the pitch because they are, frankly, dirty good. Absolutely fantastic piece. One of the most cost-effective pieces in the game. Uh, what else have we got out? Dark Elf box. Again, you need another two blitzers, really, to make the team work. The Dwarf box is good. That's got everything you need in it. Pro Elf box is good. Got everything you need in it. The Wood Elf box, that'll be interesting to see how the new edition changes it. I think with the old edition, you wanted two because you needed more linemen and you didn't really want as many throwers. Uh, that may be different with the new edition as costs change and whatever else. Yeah, I think, you know, this change to how passing works will mean that you have to bring a thrower. I think kind of rightly so. It feels a bit daft to be playing an American football analogue game and not be bringing a quarterback. Yeah, um, you need everybody. Yeah, I think, is that all the boxes that are out? Oh, uh, the one Steve's bought, in fact. So the uh, Undead box, that's a cracking box. Got everything you need in it. Um, and they're a good, solid bash team. I think he's made a good choice for a beginner there. Plus, they are lovely, lovely models. Um, the other one that they're about to bring out, the Necromantic team. That looks like it's got everything you want in it as well. So I think they're getting better at uh, making sure everything you need is in the box. Um, I mean, goblins, ogres and snotlings. Oh, and halflings. Halflings definitely doesn't have everything you need. You want to have a couple of treemen to make them work. Yeah. Uh, snotlings probably has got everything you need in the box, but you're going to lose anyway. Uh <laughs> similarly ogres actually I think you've got the full six ogres in there so you have got everything you need in the box but those teams are just difficult to win with because you can't pick the ball up 
you're generally great at being the snot <laughs> out of stuff, but the ultimate goal is to, you know, move the ball from one end to the other. Yeah, yeah, and if you can't pick it up, it's uh, it's definitely a problem. Yeah. So, um, okay, uh, so they're all the, the standard teams or the things, but you, you mentioned something about mixed teams, and I've no, I've looked at a few of them where you've got your your snotlings or Gretchen uh, mixed with your orcs, and the rats with the goblins. Oh, okay, so the likes of renegades and so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, they sort of interest me because do am I right in saying you'd get the best of both? You do and you don't uh, is the short and unhelpful answer to that. Some of them are really good. I think some of the old World Alliance stuff looks quite handy that they've just brought out recently. Uh, Renegades are a bit of a difficult team to play because of the animosity skill, because they all basically hate each other, um, which makes it a bit more difficult to move the ball around. That said, you've got quite a nice mix of players on it. You know, you... Each player on that team plays a very specific role. So you have like the Skaven line rat on it. You don't want him on the line because his armor's so poor, but he's a great sweeper because he's so quick. So yeah. you have him at the back to kind of pick up somebody else's passing threat. You know, the catcher that I've chucked downfield, your Skaven lineman can get to him, but the rest of your team possibly can't. You've got a dark elf lineman on there who traditionally acts as a, a thrower for the team. Uh, and you can get the three big guys. Yeah, they're quite unique teams, the mixed teams. Uh, I think the Old World Alliance is, is the kind of closest to a, a best of all worlds one, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, the other ones have got so, some baked in disadvantage. They're all probably solidly tier two teams um, in terms of their competitiveness. Okay. Um, well, yeah, yeah, that, that's... A lot to think about and a lot to mull over um, mm. for myself on choosing. Um, and just before we sort of wrap it up and stuff, I know you're, you've you been organising the league uh, with the Cock Dice Club. Um, how how do you feel that? Is that do you feel that's helped uh, your understanding of the game? Or is it already something you've already done um, in so, the past and you're just transferring? No, I haven't. New? run a league before um, I think it definitely helps with the understanding of the game in all honesty kind of the main role of your league commissioner is prodding people to get their games played uh, yeah <laughs> sort of alright you've got a month and it's been two weeks and you haven't organised it yet so I'm going to come over like your mother and go what you're playing at um, which always obviously <laughs> makes you popular with everyone but it's just keeping it chipping along and keeping it moving um, it's fun. I think people at the club have had a lot of enjoyment out of the league. Uh, we were just getting to the business end of the season when lockdown kicked in, which is a real shame. But with a bit of luck, I think we'll get this season finished before the end of the year. Because um, it looks like we're going to be able to go back to the club in some form reasonably soon, which honestly... I cannot tell you how much I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> I think we've um, got a lot of people waiting. Oh, mate, desperate. Desperate to get out and throw some dice in anger. Uh, I mean, frankly, just desperate to get out of the house. It's quite likely I will just spend the first meet-up back chatting to people and forget whatever <laughs> game I'm playing. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's been a good league season. We, we've had a really good mix of teams in it. I don't think we've got anyone playing the same team as anyone else. Uh, which I think really helps. It gives you a different experience every time you play. Um, and it's a really good group of lads we've got playing it at the minute. Um, really nice group. So it's friendly. I think I would encourage anyone who's interested, who wants to come along and play a bit of Blood Bowl, come and ask us. We'll find someone to give you a demo game. You're more than welcome to get involved in the league when we restart it. You know, the more players, the merrier, frankly. Um, I'm hoping we can use the new edition as a, a chance to do a little bit of recruiting. Um, I'd like to have a, you know, one or two division, sorry, sorry, two or three division league, although I suspect the admin of it will drive me mental. It's a nice problem to have. Yes. Yeah. Uh, 
well, you've definitely got a, a definitely got a new player with with myself coming in, and and I do like the idea that it's going to grow with the club and having someone as passionate as yourself leading it. I think helps a lot. Yeah, ho- hopefully. I, I mean, I, I you know, hopefully I've inspired a few people to to at least come and have a have a look at it, uh, see what they think. You know, for my money, and admittedly I'm biased, I think it's the best game they've ever released for me. I think it's a lovely balanced game. You know, each of the different play styles has its merits and has a reasonably good chance of winning. When you look at all the tier one teams across the different play styles that are there, the win percentages in leagues are about the same. And I think that tells you that they've managed to balance it really nicely. Um you see that across the computer game and the stats that uh, the NAF collect for tournaments, uh, it makes it clear that they've got it, it really well balanced. And, you know, I would encourage people to give it a go. It may not be your thing, but, you know, at least give it a try, see what you think. Because, yeah, for me, Blood Bowl and then in, in a close second epic are the two best games they've ever put together. Let's hope, and I know your your fingers crossed for for Epic coming back. Uh, do you think? Have you heard any rumours um, that pricked your interest, or do you still think it's just a pipe dream at the minute? I think it's probably a pipe dream. I mean, the Titanicus, which I play as well with um, Zenus and Carl, uh, and Simon plays a bit as well, is a cracking little game. I it really really nice game, but they've got all of the Horacy. Horus Heresy to go at still, so they've yet to do any of the Corrupted Titans. There's a few more Knight types they can do. There's probably another 18 months to two years worth of releases for that before they even need to think about adding in anything funky like Xenos, let alone doing infantry. So I've not heard any rumours. I would absolutely love it if it came back because it was it's the one war game I've played where you kind of, I actually felt like a general rather than, you know, someone who's leading a smaller team. You you saw that kind of sweep of movement across the board, the kind of longer ranges made sense because you could have a table that for the scale was sufficiently big that everything wasn't in range all the time. Yeah. Um, It, yeah. It just worked well for me. And it allowed you to do some of these great thematic things like going, yeah, I'm just going to have a drop pod assault here and it's going to be 200 Space Marines. <laughs> you know, crack it. And you think that feels brilliant when you do it on the table. Or, you know, Re- Sorry, Lofty. No, no, carry on, man. Uh, I was going to say, or, you know, you could sit there. Uh, I had a mate. I mean, I played Eldar. El- Point ears are my great passion in 40K and Epic, but. I had a mate played Imperial Guard, and I mean, you could just have ranks and ranks and ranks of tanks. Uh, I, I'd really do it properly. Um, it was, yeah, a great, great game. It's such a shame they stopped supporting it. But, you know, the stuff they're doing in that scale, the um, Aeronautica stuff is gorgeous. The Adaptus Titanicus models are brilliant. I'm hoping it's just a matter of time. I really am. Get some more, get some more interest in it, and and I think I mean I'd be I'd be up for giving it a go, um, possibly on more of a narrative standpoint. Uh, from not what you were saying, I've got very vivid images of the the Istvan massacre. Yeah, well, and uh, you can do at the minute with Titanicus some of the great Titan battles. So the source books they've got for it are, are just brilliant, and they've got some great narrative. So I don't know if you've read, um, oh, I think it's Mechanicus. The book is called where they have the last stand on Mars between two of the Titan legions, and you can redo the fight for the Magma City, which is a great bit of the book. Just a fantastic bit of the book. And they've got this great sort of thematic narrative battle uh, setup that you can do, and scenarios for a number of the really famous engagements throughout the heresy that you'll kind of read about in the books and you can really engage with and get into. Uh, I know Carl is um, doing a full Legio Ordax Legion with all the Ursus Claws and so on, which I think oh, would be really cool. Beautiful. Yeah, you know, it's just a lot of fun to be had with it. Um, you know, that real feeling of, of a grand scale of, of the conflict and the narrative you get involved in it. I think, yeah, 
again, it's a brilliant game. And when it develops into being able to actually go, yeah, I've got the equivalent of a Space Marine chapter on the board here and a couple of Titans, there's nothing quite like it. You get the get the feeling of of what the the whole universe is about is the grandness of mm. it, and and yeah, look, like I think you've got the two ends of the spectrum, and I think with with what you're saying, if if you want the grander battles, you've got to scale down your miniatures and make the the scale of the battle bigger. Yeah, um, I think so. That, I mean, that was what always really worked for me. I mean, I liked 40k. I, in all honesty, got a bit grumpy when they moved from second to third because it mm. properly messed up my Elder Army at the time. Like, admittedly, I was playing the ridiculous, unkillable Falcon tank and completely cheesy X arcs, you know, dolled up to the nines with kits. So I was being a bit of a dick with it, in all fairness. <laughs> uh, but it. One of those was like, oh, I've got to buy all these. Ah, oh, then I'm going to uni now. Plums to it. I'm done here. So did I, that thing? <laughs> I, I did, in all fairness, slightly throw the rattle. Uh, oh, but you but, come back. It's fine. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you know, it's such a welcoming hobby to come back to. You know, it, the to the group of people that I've met through the club are all lovely. You know, it, it's a really fun place to to come down and socialise and enjoy it. So. I've been very lucky in that, I think. We are lucky. We have got a very, very good club uh, and atmosphere. I'm sure a lot of other people that maybe are listening to this are also very lucky because I think the community has grown. Uh, I came back into the the hobby after a a hiatus like yourself and I found the community had grown uh, Mm. a lot. It wasn't so closed off um, as it used to be. And so you, as, as someone coming back into it, I uh, say so I'm going to call you a veteran because I think you are. <laughs> uh, starting in second definitely makes you a veteran. Yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> it makes me old, lofty is what it makes me. Unfortunately, uh, do you uh, ever get nostalgia for the old times, or do you think that now is also? Uh, which, okay, I'm just going to ask this straight out. Which era do you think is best? Do you think it's better in the hobby now, or what it was? Oh, I think it's just different, you know. Which is, is a bit of a cop-out answer, but the the way the rules were back in second, whilst I did love them and really enjoy them, they were not as user-friendly as they are today. Uh, I don't think they were good for bringing new people in, and you can see some of that in the Blood Bowl 2016. It's very much old-school games design, so rather than going, this is your player, it's just a flat roll to do X, you go... Here's your agility value. Oh, and you've got to look up this table for that sort of action and that table for this sort of action. And it's difficult for people who are new to the game to follow that. I think the more modern, more streamlined game design is better. Um, I think the models that are coming out these days are absolutely gorgeous. I do miss the days of the Citadel catalogue, though. I know. Oh, yes. Oh, a thing of dreams. And... and (laughs) <laughs> the ability is not necessarily to buy, but to sit down and write out the mail order form going, oh, this is the perfect unit of, in my case, Elder Guardians that I want. I want that sculpt, that sculpt, that sculpt, these guns. Oh, wait, that's 90 quid. and uh, I'm 15, so it's not happening. I'm uh, not getting out of it. Obviously, when I, I remember them briefly, um, the, 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 those catalogues, and I, mean, I think I did exactly the same. Wrote them all out, and I think I had a pile of them on my desk. Um, yeah, I'll get I'll get round to that. Get round to that, and I'll save me pocket money. Uh, and then I never got round to sending them. Uh, I think if Games Workshop's listening, uh, definitely a mail order bits box is definitely. I think the community definitely wants it. I oh, yeah, I think they do. I suspect with plastic moulding, it's a much more difficult thing to do. Yeah, uh, with the way the metal models were, you know, you could just cast one bit. Um, but the plastic mold, it's kind of you do a sprue, and that's yeah. that. Which is, you know, it's a shame, but the, the hobby moves on, and I think you get such a better resolution of model for it. Uh, you get that much more detail on them these days, um, and it is easier to work with, and it doesn't hurt when you drop your models case on your foot. Yeah, uh, because dropping a full box of lead on your foot 
properly tickled. You're just any metal model falls off the table and it's going to work. Well, the other thing is you'd watch someone and, you know, you're playing with something like a bloodthirster, which is up here, and you're going, oh, don't clip that with your shoulder, mate. If it goes, <laughs> it goes off yeah. the table, it's your bitch. I'm never getting it back together. You've got to be careful. <laughs> That's it. So, you know, I, I think they're different beasts. Uh, I'm not averse to the progress that has been made. There are some things that have been lost that I definitely miss. I did love the Citadel catalogue. It, it was a thing of beauty. It was like the Argos catalogue, but for, you know, full-on nerds. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was a, a thing of beauty, and you could go through it, circling it, and you could plan out your dream. Oh, hours and hours and hours I wasted. Uh, well, no, not wasted. I enjoyed. It was great fun. Just fantasizing about, oh, what would you do? Actually, would I do a Chaos Space Marine army? If I did do it, how would I do it? Which sorcerer model sculpts would I have? All the rest of it. Glorious. Window shop from the comfort of your bed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, and yeah, I mean, I think they even gave them out for free. You didn't have to pay for them if memory serves. No, I think you just picked them up. Um, I think they were in the, in White Dwarf. Um, yeah, I think you got them in the back of there as well. Absolutely glorious. So, I mean, that's that's one of the big things I miss. But I think, and I miss some of the specialist games. You know, I miss Epic that they've taken away. Uh, I would bite your hand off for Epic back with modern sculpts. You know, you look at what they've done for Titanicus, uh, and you think, yeah, you could make a gorgeous job of this. Yeah, it would just look incredible. Um, so I, I'm very, very hopeful for that. And indeed, you look at what they've done with the, the aeronautica sculpts. They are just beautifully detailed models. They go together like an absolute dream. Um, aeronautica is a fun system as well. But the, the the quality of models that you get in these days, I mean, it knocks the past away. And, and don't get me wrong, there are still a lot of sculpts that I've got that I'm, you know, very, uh, remember very fondly. Uh, some of the ones, I've still got some of my old Eldar stuff, and uh, frankly, they're still modern, which is a bit rude these days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, times change. I, I think in general, the progress that has been made has been good. I think as a company, they went through a bit of a dark period when they decided to only focus on the core games, and yeah. they weren't run by hobbyists. They were kind of run in a very big four accountancy, private equity firm, kind of way by people who didn't really understand what gets you excited about it and i think they are now run by people who understand you know what gets the the hobbyists juices flowing you know what makes them wake up in the morning you uh, what's and that's it, it is having an absolute passion for what you're doing and you can see that passion coming across in games workshop now uh, the whole company uh, especially with the advent of they've got the the twitch channel you can see that every single person that's working there is really into the hobby. Yeah. Um, and they did lose that for a good while. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's amazing to see. Yeah, I think they're absolutely their best when they're like that. You know, it reminds me that the sort of... I, I'm going to go with late 90s, but realistically early 90s when I started, um, they were in a similar position. You could feel the passion coming out of the page. You know, you had... Um, great characters like Andy Hoare and Jervis Johnson running the show, doing brilliant things with it, who you could tell just enjoyed it. And it comes through in the product. It comes through in everything that they do. It comes through in the excitement and the buzz about it. Uh, and it's wonderful to see that again. Really is. Uh, well, that wraps. Well, I think we probably could speak for another good few hours on this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm going to stop it here because I'd like to get you back on uh, because it's been a really, really interesting conversation um, to see the passion come through with yourself it, it, it's mind-blowing, it's amazing No, pleasure mate I, you know, happy to come through again I think as and when we get the Blood Bowl League up and running if you want it you know, we, we can do some updates on that and how things are developing let me know. You know, I'm always on the other end of a phone. Yeah, I'd really like to do that. And hopefully next time um, we can have... Uh, I mean, Dean sends his apologies. He's not feeling very well uh, this week. Um, and hopefully we'll we'll keep Steve for the whole uh, episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going on with him. Um, it's still reading that he's here. 
but I can't hear him at all. He dropped out for a bit as well, so who knows? So we'll get we'll get all all of us together again at some point. But from me, thank you very much uh, for taking the time this evening with us. Pleasure. Nice one. And uh, everybody listening, we'll be back in another two weeks with another episode. Thanks for listening. See you later. If you guys have enjoyed this episode, please give us a subscribe. We're going to be coming at you weekly with more of these topics and discussions. Thanks for listening.